Hello, everyone. You are listening to Onward with William McCarthy, live from California. What's good, everyone? Hello, there has been a podcast hiatus. I apologize for that. We will get into that in a moment. I am on the shores of Southern California in my final days before I return to New York. Hello, everyone. So, let's get into it. Firstly, I'm really sorry the podcast had to uh, be sidelined there for a little bit. What happened was... I basically did, I was, I've been living off of my, uh, on the, off the back of my motorcycle and I didn't have enough room actually for the mic and the interface and all that stuff. And I'm actually just doing a shotgun attempt at this with a, uh, like a lapel mic, right? For filming. So how has everybody been? It's been a while, man. So pull up a chair, grab a drink. It's me, your old friend, Bill. Man, we go way back. Been exciting times around here lately. I uh, I released my Trying to See the Light EP. And it's funny, with doing that, I'm kind of seeing that the general public is kind of seeing, not the light, but a light. And I think that they're seeing that Bandcamp and Patreon and all these different platforms are really actually helping artists out because we, we found, find ourselves in a pretty interesting pickle. I rented a truck yesterday. This was, uh, it was sad, but I had to return surfboards to my sister's house um, because this trip is, is now over and I'm going back to New York. But when I was, uh, when I rented this truck from the U-Haul and I drove uh, to my sister's house, I, I turned on the truck and the radio came on. And it was like Chris Stapleton. It was a country station. And uh, it, it, it was basically like this slick pop, you know, it was a well-done song. It was country. It was like, you know, pop country or whatever. And I was just sitting there thinking, wow, that world is about radio and about selling records, right? And so these, this has all shifted. This has shifted for us musicians that uh, the radio is in question because people can find their own, their own means and their own radio, and we're not selling physical copies like we used to. And I think... This year, vinyl surpassed actual CDs, which is a crazy update. But yeah, that's the world. That's the world we're in, and it, it really did make me feel really good to uh, know that people. It took people a little while to get their head around it, but that people are stepping up for artists right now, which is really great. It's. Uh, it's. I don't think anybody's having an easy time uh, in life. I think we're all just getting getting on with it. But if you hear birds in the background, just know that they're they're in these crazy palm trees. Um, I know, Crimea River. It's, it's funny when you travel because I, it's, as much as I didn't really realize, very slowly I started becoming really into architecture. I just, I mean, really into it. It's not like I belong to a, you know, a, a <laughs> architecture appreciation website on Facebook or anything, but it's just something that I admire. And uh, I've been really checking out what they call mid-century here. And uh, I've been checking out architecture. I've also been checking out just the vegetation. And when you get probably around, if you look at California, we all know what it's shaped like, right around the middle of it where it starts to go south. That's, that's the Bay Area. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's where I'm from. I'm from the Monterey Bay Area. And 
it's it's really cool up there because you actually have like pine trees alongside palm trees because the climate could accommodate both but the pines are clearly like a northern thing and then down here it becomes palms but what comes along with palms is like fascinating cactuses and these really beautiful flowers i i, I didn't really realize i was i rode my motorcycle up into the uh topanga canyon more than a few times when while i was here just amazing foliage really beautiful like wildflowers uh real extreme colors pinks uh light blues like a soft yellows really nice stuff man so these are some of the visual things that I've been kind of attaching my uh, my eyes to as I, my thoughts have been going all over the place. So if anybody's been following my uh, my Patreon writings, I've one. So I'm in Santa Monica, right? And it looks like I'm going to leave before I get to do this episode that I really wanted to do. I wanted to film the dogs of Santa Monica because this is another observation. If you look at people here, I'm assuming that, like New York City, people are in kind of a compromised living situation, i.e. one bedrooms or maybe two at the, t at the most, even studios. It's expensive to live, live near the water. And everybody has these mid-sized dogs. They're these like curly poodles. There's terriers. And they all seem to have this funny little like, you know, that's what dog owners often kind of, the dogs often kind of resemble them, right? So... Another thing about Los Angeles that I've come to realize is that there's a whole fashion here that's called athleisure. Now, for an indie rock singer like myself, I was not in the know about athleisure wear. But basically, it's like people wearing spandex all day. Basically, like they just came from the gym. So you've got these people walking around in like their Nike um, gym shoes and like these spandex. And they've got a visor on and a mask and like kind of designer athletic wear and then you've got these little dogs bopping behind them and I would sit in the park and look at the ocean and I would just imagine the voices of all these dogs some of them you know I gave them like a Philly accent or a New York accent or some of them like a French accent in my mind like oh hello this is great I am pissing I am pissing on this tree and then you know like above them is their like funny you know, owner, and I just kind of was doing these dialogues in my head when I would sit in this park, or I would do like, hey, bro, how you doing? It's me, it's Mo. Or, uh, <laughs> it's funny when you have alone time, right? So I started trying to uh, make impressions for dogs, and I thought that would have been a pretty funny episode. It's, uh, people ask me, like, <clears throat> like, where do you come up with all this stuff? And honestly, I think... Where I'm at creatively is I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to outdo myself. Uh, some people, like when you're in a when you're in like a popular band, a lot of a lot of mistake that people make is they just trying to hold the line. And I, I think when we hear things get watered down, um, let's take say Foo Fighters, right? A band like that, they just kind of need to service the marketplace, right? Get their get their single out there, get their new video out there, and uh, they just kind of hold hold the line. And some some bands make a living of holding the line. And where I'm at is I've kind of done a lot at this point. I've I've uh, I've done a book, I've done a film. I've I guess I did that that journals, map stories, and songs tour was a lot like kind of a TED talk. <laughs> And then, you know, I've, I've directed my own stuff at this point. So it's like, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to like outdo myself here. So 
I was thinking about how, wow, I'm definitely, it's a garbage day here in uh, Los Angeles, clearly. So I'm always trying to, if you hear garbage truck, sorry about that. I'm always trying to like outdo myself and sometimes it lands and sometimes it's a little wobbly and it doesn't make a lot of sense. So humor is a really funny thing. I've been noticing how powerful humor is. And uh, when, when you start really looking at the masters, like, you know, like a, a Dave Chappelle, old like Richard Pryor, these guys, it's so similar to music because there's a cadence, there's a formula, there's a suspense. So like how we would add suspense as a musician is um, we would maybe leave it more spacious. Maybe we play some minor chords, something a little dissident to add tension and so on. And, and in, in comedy, they do the same thing. So I've been observing uh, how, how powerful that is. Now, I am stuck on social media, so I'm supporting trying to see the light. I wrote Across America, and we'll get into that later, but uh, I, I directed my own, my, own, my own little video here, right? And the, the kind of career that I'm interested in at the moment is that it doesn't, it's not the same every single time, right? So I'm always trying to outdo myself, and I was just thinking about all the videos. Speaking of Foo Fighters, like people who had kind of funny videos. Remember OK Go? That's one way to do it, right? Uh, but what, where I found myself and what I'm supporting right now is I'm supporting my EP. And as everybody uh, who knows me knows is that I'm, I'm releasing um, my record in four parts. And the reason that I did that was that like touring is a real question mark at the moment. And I just thought, well, I'm really starting to enjoy making my own episodes and videos and my own like little, my, my little output visually, right? And I just thought, wow, this is going to give me a, an opportunity to make more work. So it's working really well. People have been wonderful. Um, people have been generous. They've been um, understanding. Uh, so one thing that I'm dealing with is social media, right? And now this is another thing. Um, I'm sitting down to do a podcast. I've been listening to podcasts lately and there is a format and then when they're done sort of poorly, it's like when they go, they, they digress so badly and they, they get off course and they, you know, you're like, what am I listening to? But my favorite ones are the ones where people just kind of keep you company. And so that's the kind of podcast that I, I try to make. So I'm sitting down thinking about a format, right? And then I'm realizing, well, isn't that what's kind of happened out in the world, like on social media? Like, remember Instagram? Like four years ago, it was like four, maybe five years ago, it was like your private photo album or it was like your photo album that you shared with friends. And then, uh, and then we kind of saw in the last four years, this, the uh, advent of this strange like influencer uh, culture come in. You've got like a, uh, a woman on a yacht. Clearly she doesn't own the yacht. She's doing weird duck face stuff or like, hey, what's up? This is Greg from Tech Corner. We're just going to explore right now. We're going to talk about, you know, <laughs> like what am I, what, what happened? And I guess that's the monetization or the, you know, that's the, uh, the, the backing. People figure out a way to make a buck. So that's kind of what happened to that. But I also, I struggle on social media because I like to do like visual stuff. I like to do narrative. I like to kind of, uh, tell stories, right? So, but Instagram is sort of turning into what Twitter is. Twitter's like this one hit, like one liner, keep it punchy, do it all day long. And I feel like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm struggling to find my proper platform, but I, you know, it is what it is. 
but at the end of the day, like when I talk to people, it's so funny, guys. If you're in my position, you put something out, you don't get addresses or you don't see where people are that listen to it. It just goes out. And when you release something, people give you feedback about, about what the songs um, mean to them. And it's, it's cool, man. I sit back and I read this stuff and it's like, it's powerful. It means a lot to me. Like when you, you know, so when, just know, um, I know there's kind of pre-COVID and then there's COVID times. Pre-COVID, you know, maybe your favorite band was in a tour bus. You had to stand outside in a line to get in. Um, T-shirts were kind of expensive. Drinks were expensive. And you just kind of dealt with it. Now people are playing from their homes, which is kind of cool because you can kind of see where people live, right? Which is really, I think that's neat. Um, seeing Al Pacino, you know, in his in his office or his downstairs or whatever, that's kind of cool. But I just wanted you to know that in this this time that that we're all we've all found ourselves in, artists do read this stuff, and it it does it does really feel nice to know that what you're doing is reaching people. Okay, let's keep moving. Now, if I've talked a lot in with my Onward community and Patreon about this a really fascinating little factoid. Okay, so where I'm staying probably looks something like maybe what people imagine. Sorry, I have to move the mic. Um, when they think of Miami, right? Like the, the, uh, that like tempered glass and the like big, weird, tall, white buildings, a lot of balconies, um, kind of like a, I mean, frankly, tacky, like it's pretty tacky, you know, and the, there's not a lot of architectural sensitivity to the environment. Like it just like people came in, threw up big buildings, sold them for a lot. No one was really monitoring like quality control. Like, so there's these different sort of eras, right? So you've got like the, the mid-century 50s kind of boom of what I call like the Brady Bunch houses, uh, if anybody ever saw that. They're basically kind of one stories. They don't have a basement. Uh, they might have an attic. Uh, there's usually a two-car garage. And they have that kind of like starlight lounge, like that 50s like Sinatra Palm Springs feeling to it. Then, you know, there's the Santa Monica buildings that uh, kind of remind me of Miami. So I'm here and the guy that rented me this place is actually a really uh, well-known, uh, successful producer in the Americana world. And he told me a little bit about the neighborhood. And one of the things that he told me is that this is where they caught Whitey Bulger. Now, if anybody knows who Whitey Bulger is, Johnny Depp did a film called Black Mass. And it's about uh, this, the Winter Hill Gang in Boston, the, the, the Irish Mafia, right? And the, 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 the Don at the top of it. I think that uh, The Departed was loosely written about him. Or sorry, yeah, it was, yeah, that's correct. Jack Nicholson's character in The Departed uh, was loosely uh, based on Whitey Bulger. And Whitey Bulger was the very top, top, top Irish mob guy. And, you know, they fought the, the Italian mafia. They, they were also different in that it's largely believed that Whitey Bulger was, a, was an informant to the FBI. So they, they gave him allowances. They didn't arrest him. And he carried on for years and years and years, um, you know, bodies in the wake of his, 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 his mob and just savages, you know. But this guy also did something that's very rare he escaped so the fbi it is believed that they tipped him off when they were coming to raid and arrest him and he got away and he went he, he was a fugitive 
Now, why this is all interesting is it, it, I think it's fascinating. Uh, basically, he outsmarted the FBI, probably tipped off. He was on the FBI payroll and he disappears and he becomes the number one fugitive in the United States. And he's bumped off uh, 16 years later by none other than Osama bin Laden. So this is how badly the authorities wanted to bring this guy in. And uh, they, he, he vanished. He, he, he went underground. People didn't know if he's alive or dead. And where he was was on my street where I'm staying. Now, take the Miami out of it. Take the like athleisure wear and all that. I had a deep experience with this actually because essentially what he was was he was in exile and he's from Boston if you listen to his accent he's got like that 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 Boston accent hard like wicked smart he's got that accent he's he's got um a million I think they when they caught him he had eight hundred thousand dollars in his wall which is a total old school gangster move he had tons of firearms but the fella that rented me this apartment told me that they saw him all the time and that he sat on this bench. Um, and I was like, you mean the bench that's looking, looking over the, uh, the water? He's like, that's the bench. Yeah, we called him the pigeon man because he would sit there and feed pigeons. And, uh, you know, I had been sitting on that same bench having these reflections, essentially being exiled from New York City because things got so bad there. So I'm sitting on this bench where this guy sat and he probably had reflections about his life. I think they caught him, I think he was almost 80 years old, and he, he was killed. Uh, later on, they, they finally brought him in. They caught him in this neighborhood. Uh, there was a sting operation, grabbed him, put him in prison, and he was killed by uh, rival mobsters, basically. Uh, I think they killed him with a padlock and a sock. Someone just bludgeoned him to death. He was 89, which is... Wow, that's grisly, gruesome stuff. But he sat on this bench, and I was just like, wow, I have seen a lot. So going forward, I am leaving basically a chapter of my life. We are all going to reflect on the COVID-19 era. Um, people, there was influenza, there was polio. This is the COVID-19 era. And we're all going to have a reflection on that. And I'm never going to forget that I sat in New York City with a construction site in front of me, a construction site behind me. There was no sensitivity to the fact that people were quarantined. There was a curfew at six and seven o'clock. And I sat in this apartment for four months and I just finally had it. I had a motorcycle, I had an amplifier and a guitar and I can always look back and feel proud about that. Like I, I did the responsible thing, but then I just got on the, the bike and I rode now, America's, I think, either, th I think it's 3,200 miles, and maybe it's 3,500 miles uh, coast to coast. I, I tracked myself, and I, I went 5,000 miles, so I think that's because I was up along the Canadian border, and I'll never forget this. You know, I saw how Wisconsin dealt with the pandemic. I saw how Illinois, um, Minnesota, I saw, uh, I saw Washington, D.C., I saw Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I saw the Amish, I saw truck drivers, I saw the far right, I saw the far left, I saw protesters, I saw um, residue from looting, 
I made my way through this country and I had a tent. I thought that that would be the the safest way to go. So I slept in this tent a lot and I played I played in backyards and parks. People had me come to their properties and I performed for them and I it was wonderful. I, I think at one point I played a show, it was like four hours long. And it was just a joy. It was a joy to, to see people feel good again. And it was, it was, it, it meant a lot to me that, that I got to be the guy sitting on the stool helping them do that. Because I think what happened through this COVID thing, and we're all going to look back, and when we look back in 20 years, and there's a really bad Ben Affleck movie about him and COVID, and, you know, it's, it's, it's completely a Hollywood topic, like 9-11 happened with, uh, the movie they made, made about it, Nicolas Cage, it's going to happen. And we're going to look back and all of our devices are going to look archaic. And it's going to, you know, they're going to do a really good job of it in the film. They're going to talk about the songs that were on the radio. They're going to, it's going to be a period piece. There's going to be the Black Lives Matter thing. There's going to be George Floyd. And this will happen. And I, I'm really proud of myself. It, people thought I was a little nuts for doing it. I think I did it safely, but... It was, you know, I always, whenever I look at the land and in landscapes, it's funny, you, you ask yourself, you know, people have a lot to say about America. I have a lot to say America about America at the moment. But if you really think about it, it's really not the land's fault. It's, it's humans. And uh, it's, you know, this is the human condition. Like we, we, people seek power. We seek, you know, what we seek. And I just saw a lot of good in people in a time that I think it's difficult for humans to understand that, that where they're getting their information from is a media outlet. And the only thing that has been troubling about this experience going through all this is that I just have an issue with a corporation who's like their MO is to keep you watching. That's called ratings, right? So they need ratings to keep up their commercials and their money flow. And that's how that works. So I think it's been mastered over time to figure out how to get human beings to stay on their channel. And, and much of that is not positive. It's a lot of doom. So I think this is what we call doom scrolling. So I was sitting in my house and it's like, you know, uh, minorities are being mistreated. There's, there's always, you know, the wackadoo, then, then the, the maskers, right? The no maskers walking through a Walmart with no mask being idiots. Why do these seven or eight people who have done this deserve to be on like a national television show? We know this is out there, but I guess that's what was bothering me about the, you know, CNN, CSNBC, um, Fox, all this stuff that we have in America, um, Al Jazeera is great, BBC is great, but like for some reason in America, it's like corporatized. So I was watching this information. I'm just like, who's the quarterback here? Like, who's the captain of the squad? Why do they think this is a good idea? It's not healthy. It's um, at times um, dramatized. And then uh, sometimes they get it right. But then sometimes it's this porous fluff that actually has a toxicity to it. And I'm sat, sat in my apartment listening to construction sites, which was not great for my mental health because I do a lot of recording and I'm just like, God, why would they do this to people who are stuck in their house? Because they don't give a shit because they're making money. So it's like, 
was turning into this like capitalist swirl for me. And it just felt like a really doomed species, the human race. It's just like, we can't get out of our own way, right? We can't get out of our own way. So I broke out of it. And, and like I said, a lot of people thought it was a little nuts. I even had some questions. I, I wasn't real, you know, public about it, but I'm like, can this bike make it? Um, is this going to be safe? Am I okay? And it was wonderful. Um, I'm not saying that, that, it, you know, it was all rainbows and Skittles and unicorns. It, it was, it was tough. You know, Th those are long days. And basically my schedule would be wake up in the morning, get some coffee going. I had a little camp stove, or if I was staying at somebody's uh, downstairs or something, um, I'd get my coffee going, I'd get on the road. And funny thing about motorcycling if you look at a seven hour drive, consider it 10 hour drive because you have to stop. You know, it's your butt, <laughs> your butt sitting on this, this engine that's flying at 90 miles per hour. Right. And, uh, you know, you got to pull over, you gotta, you gotta put some oil in, you gotta put gas in, you gotta get all the mosquitoes off your windshield. Uh, but what's really beautiful about motorcycling is that you literally can go up a hill and as you go down it you feel the temperature change um, you feel when the day is abnormally hot or the sun is very strong or it's cloudy or there's sprinkles of rain there's an intimacy to it and so i'd wake up every day doing my best to put out work as i was traveling and the thing that i kept gravitating towards was my camera and that's how the trying to see the light video came to be. So let's discuss that. I'm proud of this and I'll tell you why. Because I had really no concept for the video. I directed it and I feel really good about it. And why was because I was driving around East LA and I was literally like looking for something that, that I could kind of have a fun time in. And I was, I was like, all right, maybe I'll dress up like a mariachi or something. Or, or uh, what, what could be kind of funny? And I, I, it was a completely different concept in my mind. And I, I just, I started looking at all this embroidered stuff. And then I started thinking about, you know, cultural appropriation and like being insincere. And I thought, yeah, this is really not the time for that. Even though I actually love mariachi music and like the lineage of where that came from and the country that, that comes from and so on. I just thought, okay. I was really trying to save this song for fall because I thought in autumn with things getting colder, this song just has like this like finger picked folkiness to it. And I just, I grabbed a cowboy hat. Cowboy hats are actually quite expensive. Like they can, you know, two, $300, but I found one for like 40 bucks and I'm like, all right, I'll see what I could do with this. And then I just started thinking, I put it on. I'm like, all right, you're in your forties. Got a couple gray hairs here and there and you've been all weather beaten from the sun, this hat looks pretty appropriate on you right now, man. And then I, I was just kind of like, wait a second, maybe this is like a, a character here. Like, I don't wear cowboy hats, but let's build a character here. And I, I started really building it out and filming and so on. And I just started really enjoying that, you know, rather than being some like tweed suit, a tweed jacket, like being the rocker guy, it was really neat to try on a different skin. And it was really compelling and it fit very well. And it just, it wasn't like, you know, a complete 
shoo-in. It wasn't completely easy. Like, I had to work really hard at it. I edited for most of the week on it, but I like how it turned out. And, and, it, and it's, if it's not honestly me, you know, it's honestly me finding that appealing, that uh, you can create characters in art. Um, in the 1990s, it was very much about keeping it real. It was integrity, you know, and it was like cred, right? And, you know, I feel like kids now, Generation Z, um, I, I feel like a lot of these kids are like, keep it surreal. You know, you got a black kid with different colored dreadlocks wearing a dress. Like, kids are really going out there with it. Um, almost like in the way that Andre 3000 did, like, you know, 20 years ago. Just really, like, elasticity of the medium. Really pulling it apart and just seeing where where could he could insert himself and try something different. I appreciate that about um, what teenagers are doing. I, I really think it's wonderful. Um, and David Bowie was very much, you know, playing with his mediums. Like, he was like, okay, this is androgyny. Is this... Is, how is this touching the public? Okay, this is, this is touching me. I'm creating characters here. And uh, I was saying it, I think last week, I had seen this really wonderful documentary. Um, I'm, a, um, I'm a big Sam Cooke fan, and there's a really great documentary on him. I didn't really know about his life story, that he was actually... Uh, he was in human rights and civil rights struggle, and you know he got killed and he died in this hotel room, getting shot by a by a hotel lady because of a prostitute. And you know, was he set up? All this stuff. Uh, but Stevie Wonder was talking about doing music, and and he was like, you know, basically you invent the song and you inhabit the character. You've got to like really, almost like method acting. You've got to like. Take, put on that skin and, and think about this character that you've created, which is actually a completely nutritious, wonderful way to, to take music on. You come up with an idea, you manifest the idea, you ha you're kind of tickled that it fell just a little bit to the right of where you wanted it to, and you're happy with that, and you inhabit that, and you try to, uh, you try to give it life. So that's the experience that I had with that. And it's, I'm, it's something I'm very proud of the, 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 uh, the video and the song and the EP. And once again, thank you guys for writing. Um, thank you for your support. Thank you for people on my Patreon that are helping me keep this thing going. Now the behind the scenes is, is that, uh, the one thing that's, so I've gone independent, right? DIY. The hard thing is, is when Spotify came into the music world, uh, what they did, is, they didn't realize they probably would do it, but they turned the burner off, like on a stove. They completely turned off the flame um, for record labels to invest anything into artists anymore. So what happened, so Augustine's was a properly funded band. Um, my first band was not. And then what happened, I heard whispers around the industry that, yeah, like people are making records for basically nothing now. Labels don't want to spend money on it, which I understand. Uh, it's not the nicest thing in the world to self-fund, but it's what's going on. And you just got to come up with a ton of money. You got to come up with 10, 20, 25 grand or figure out how to do it for next to nothing. Well, I, I was listening to some of the tracks last night because I was pulling them apart, um, editing. And I was listening to the horn sections and I was thinking, man, there's no way around this. Like if you want real human beings playing real music, it just costs money. So... What my MO right now is what they call recouping. 
I'm trying to make back the money that uh, I put into the record. And I'm about halfway. <laughs> so I have two more EPs to go. And hopefully if all goes well, looking at the, 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 the old data there, if I keep going, I'll make my money back. But look at the, 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 the trip around the sun that I had to do, like a planet. I, I had to write it. I had to find the money for it. I had to find the musicians for it. I had to find everything for it. I had to put it out. I had to record everything, film this, that. I supported it. I put, I, I, then I put out the video, then I go around the sun again. And I proselytize, stand at the mountaintop and, 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 and shout out to the world that it's alive. And, and I'm lucky if I even get my money back. Can you believe that? So that's the situation. And again, I'm an established artist. Like people know who I am, but I can't even imagine what bedroom kids are going through. So if anything, through this COVID era, I think that empathy um, and relating to other humans is like, it's essential right now. And while I think about the kids in the bedroom um, that are having a hard time getting to an audience, I'm also thinking about what if it was your senior year and you were a, a, a standout soccer talent or a basketball star and your senior year that you're going to prove yourself to the colleges that hopefully get yourself a, um, a scholarship like you just can't play. Wow. Can you imagine like the weddings that were planned that just can't happen? Or imagine if you're a freshman in high school. This is, the, this is when you should be popping pimples in the mirror and hopefully kissing a girl and trying not to uh, screw your studies up too bad as you start developing into a you know, kid that can drive and so on. But these kids aren't able to do that right now. And it's, you know, I have a lot of empathy. And I have a lot of empathy for uh, the neighborhoods that I saw. I have a lot of empathy for the people that I saw marching. I saw, I have a lot of empathy for other countries. Remember when we st started in this COVID blender, um, what Italy was going through, then what Spain was going through, and then it was England. And um, I think Israel's had a massive outbreak. So I guess we could end it there um, on, on a sort of like a meditative focus on, um, on empathy for one another, man. And all I could extend to you guys um, is that I'm thinking about you. I know it's hard. I just read something that if you actually force yourself to smile physically, that it does improve moods. So this morning I was like <laughs> sitting on the couch like, oh man, I'm leaving the palm trees. I'm going back to snow. Here we go. And I'm like, smile, bro. And I'm just sitting there smiling, thinking about the dogs of Santa Monica and trying to have a chuckle. So you're not alone. You are not alone. And uh, I'm here and I'm carrying on. And uh, I'm sorry the podcast was gone so long. It, uh, it's back. We are back. And uh, everybody, I'll be around. Thank you for supporting this EP. Thank you for supporting the Bloodline EP. And I'm doing it DIY and I'm going to white knuckle this thing into fruition. We are gonna we are gonna recoup this. We are gonna make another record or we are gonna write another book. Um, thanks again for people who have uh, backed me on Patreon. You guys are awesome and I really enjoy we have a good time. Uh, thank you guys very much. It means the world to me. 
for listening to this uh, podcast and being a part of my life. You've been listening to Onward with William McCarthy, live from California.